All right, you should have some notes uh, this morning. If you don't, raise your hand, and the ushers will be glad to bring you some. And again, if you're online, if we have your email, we can also send them to you and get that worked through. I'm very excited about this series. I, I felt last week, you know, was supposed to be uh, the bridge are going to stay here. Uh, I'm sorry, the bridge are going to stay in for this. And so uh, there's one back over here. Wayne, you need some? Anybody else? Raise your hand. Uh, I think you're going to uh, you're going to need them. And uh, I mean, we'll try to stick with them. Uh, I just want to re- remind us what the Holy Spirit was saying through the worship time. And, and, uh, and uh, <clears throat> it was said, my answer is yes before you asked, Lord. And I thought, wow, what a, a, a position to be in where... Uh, that's our response, not because he's asked already, but because we've spent time with him. And during that time and that relationship building with the Holy Spirit, you built such a relationship that when, uh, when he asks anything, it just, it doesn't have a, you don't have a second thought. It's kind of like if a close friend comes to you and says, man, I, I just need a, I need a ride. You know, how willing are you? Yeah, of course I'll give you a ride, you know. Uh, and, um, and it's just that type of a relationship that God wants to have with you. He wants you to know him in that way, and it takes a yet. And then the, the word, my heart comes alive when you speak. I thought that was so beautiful. Uh, wow, that is so awesome. Uh, you, you hear God with that kind of clarity, and that's what we do see throughout the Scriptures. And today I want to uh, talk about, really, unfortunately, what's one of the most controversial subjects maybe in the body of Christ. And as we go through it, uh, what I need you to do is I need you to lean in with your spiritual ears this morning to hear this, because if you don't, then you'll listen to some of these verses, and this is a danger. We listen to the verses, and even sometimes we can nod and agree, and, and if we're really bold that morning, we might even say out, amen out loud. Thank you, thank you. I preach faster when people say amen, just, by the, just FYI. Uh, anyway, uh, but, but you know, we read a scripture, and then, and then we walk away, and it really doesn't impact us. It doesn't change us. It doesn't do anything for us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is, it needs to take us to a new level about this. Because as he speaks, number one, we need to be ready to say yes to whatever he's saying. But also that we, we learn to, as we study the word and hear the word preached, that we're... we're uh, we're, we're stepping into it. We're not just letting it go by. And, and maybe an example would be this. When I was first, you know, I went to Bible college. I'd never gone to church a day in my life. Went to Bible college a year after I was saved. I had felt the call to the ministry the day I was saved. And I went to college uh, the year after that. And they started teaching on all these things. I had all these things just rolling into my mind about uh, every topic you can think of, of course, Bible college. And I remember 
when it came to worship, because I grew up in such a, with such a negative element of worship, and that would be at concerts and stuff like that, where you were just completely wiped out of your head, and it was just nuts, you know? And so I came out of that setting, and so when I came into the church that we were in, and it had, you know, it had a, you know, three times the size of this stage with worship instruments, there was harps, there was, there was horns, there was everything. It was just an amazing setting. And the presence of God was so powerful, but I really struggled with it because of my previous experience with worship. And I thought, I just don't get it. And then clapping was the big issue for me. I thought, why are we clapping and giving those guys all this honor? I didn't quite get it. I didn't understand that, uh, that uh, even though I was reading in the Bible where it talks about clapping, it's all over the Bible. You know, clap your hands unto the Lord and shout unto the Lord and all these things about worship. And so I'm going through this huge transition of, God, I don't get it. It's being taught, but I don't get it. Something's not fitting for me. And so I finally decided, I thought I needed to do something about this. And so I think because it was in Scripture, I continued to worship to the best of my ability, and I can remember myself each time, God, you know what I think about this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I kind of see it there, and, and that was what I'd say to him every time, and, and then so I decided, well, I need to do something about this, and so I got up at 5 o'clock every Saturday morning, well, I got up at 4 o'clock, and I, I went up to this place called Mount Tabor, which was right by where the, the college was. And at the very top of it, it was a park, but at the very top, it was just trees and stuff, and nobody usually went up there. So at five in the morning, I would go up there, and I would take the scriptures that I w was learning from Bible college about worship, and I would begin to read them out loud, and then I began to practice them. And I can remember the breakthrough that came to me at this point, because you could just imagine being up in the... You know, nobody was awake, so nobody, I don't think, heard me. But I just started singing unto the Lord. I would clap unto the Lord. I would dance unto the Lord. I would, I would do all of what I was learning in the scriptures about worship. And I can, I can still remember the day that it just broke open for me. And God just totally poured his spirit into me about the whole element of worship. And that's why we have such a, a strong passion to see worship be a large part of this service because we're worshiping the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. How many think he's worth more than just a fast song? He's worth worship. But that's how I got that because I heard these things and I didn't just say, well, I don't get it, so I'm just going to not worry about it. I'll keep coming to church, but I'm just not going to worry about it. I'll keep clapping and singing, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to ask for revelation. And man, I tell you, that's what I want you to do for this topic here about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to see it in the Scripture yourself, and then I want us to be able to experience it and not just sit through a spirit-filled church all your life and never having experienced it. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, I'm not sure if I put that on there or not, but Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 says this, Now the Berean Jews were more noble character, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eager, eagerness and examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
You hear what they're saying? They're saying he, they listened to the preaching. In Thessalonica, where they just came from, the people didn't do that. They just didn't get into it. They didn't involve themselves into it. But then now they move on, and, and the Bereans are different. They just said, no, we're going to read this, and we're going to search the Scriptures for more understanding. And that's what I want us to be, kind of a Berean church, you know, that we really capture this. We really understand this. So I want to start this morning by maybe just first talking about what kind of a church are we? Just in case maybe you're not sure. Uh, <laughs> we hope you don't leave after you hear this, but, <laughs> but sometimes you can sit in a church a long time and not know what in the world this church is all about. And I want you to know <laughs> what it's about because we are the church, so we make up the church, so we want to be of one mind and one accord. Our mission statement is to know Jesus. Very important that we know Jesus personally. It's the only way to get to heaven. Going to church will never get you there. And we know that there, we do believe in this church that there's a heaven and there's a hell. God wants nobody to go to hell, and he didn't create hell for anybody. Come on. But people will choose to reject his offer. And thus we have to understand it's important. So do you know Jesus? The second element of our, of our statement is to be empowered and speaking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How is he working in our lives? And we're going to see that you know, over almost 300 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the New Testament alone. So he must be important. He must be important. And then the third part is to make a difference. Are you making a difference? And when I say that, and when we say, as we talked about this, are we making a difference for the kingdom of God? Are you? Does, can you look back on your life and say, yeah, this is what I'm doing? Because honestly, uh, this is your chance to do it. When you get to heaven, this won't be an issue, but it is an issue now. So what kind of church are we? What kind of a church are we? The way we would term it the easiest, in case somebody asks you, it's we are a spirit-filled, word-formed church. Spirit-filled, word-formed church. Spirit-filled, word-formed church is a blending and a uniting both of the spirit and truth in the life of every believer and the church. The directives, goals, vision, passion, and values are framed by the word Energized by the Holy Spirit, a spirit-filled, word-formed church would believe wholly in the person, in the personhood of the Holy Spirit and the inerrant Word of God, and in being first spirit-born and then spirit-filled. So, it's in the body of Christ at large, people believe that they receive all that they get of the Spirit when they become born again. And, and, and I want to show us through Scripture that there's really a difference between receiving His Spirit and your Spirit coming alive, being born again, and then being baptized in the Holy Spirit and then filled with the Holy Spirit. And I hope that, again, as you lean in and listen this morning, that you can take this further because God wants you to. And I believe we are we're living close enough to the end time now that I, I, I don't know that this is going to remain optional very long. I think we're going to see some real changes in the body of Christ for people that would reject the Holy Spirit and not lean into the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I really believe that. And earmarks of a spirit-filled, word-formed church or believer would be, A, he's born of the Spirit. I think this is on your notes. Born of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you've received that revelation 
Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 26 speaks of it. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, this is Jesus speaking, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. I've said this before. You can only be born again as you respond to God's drawing of your life to him. Then all you do is just respond with that yes, and then he saves you. That's how that process works, but it's by the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Letter B, another earmark would be that they would be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Number C, letter C on your notes there, it's a growing through the Holy Spirit. In other words, I can't grow without His help. The Bible says that you don't need a teacher because the Spirit will be your teacher. So that means if all you do is come here and listen to me, you're probably not going to learn everything you need to learn out of the Bible. It's got to come even in these settings by revelation. And it doesn't minimize the preaching of the Word because he says there's a power in the preached Word. But the, the, the real meaning is going to come to you as you sit here and as you begin to see the Holy Spirit speak this into your very heart and spirit. And all of a sudden it comes alive to you and it becomes real to you through that. And it's through what? The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's an awesome thing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So I'm transformed by the Holy Spirit. And it's as I behold Him, as I see Him, as I focus on Him, that all of a sudden I'm able to be transformed by Him. It's an, it's an amazing process. Letter D, walking in the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit. Letter E, worshiping by the Spirit. John 4, 24 says, you know, uh, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, I started out with just truth. I heard that worship was supposed to happen like this, that this is worship to God, this is worship to God, this is worship to God. I heard that shouting was worship to God. I heard that, but it was all up here. It needed to become a revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it had to be, it had to come to life to me because God said, hey, I want you to worship me, not just in truth, but I want your spirit in this. That's an awesome thing. And we know listening, as you read the scripture, listening to the Holy Spirit, uh, serving by the Holy Spirit, you're serving by Him, and evangelizing with the Holy Spirit. In other words, as a Spirit-filled, Word-formed person, okay, you are coming into full partnership and relationship with God by the Holy Spirit, so there's a partnership and a relationship that's beginning to develop inside of you, and, and it's beginning to open you up. And, you know, Jesus approached a lot of the, the Jewish people in his day that totally missed it with him being there. You can totally miss the Holy Spirit even though he comes here every time we come together. And I don't want any of us to do that. And I don't want anyone that's watching online to miss the very person of the Holy Spirit. I think we all know before the fall, 
that man enjoyed complete open relationship with God. There was a walking, there was a talking, there was a laughing, there was a working together. There were all these things happening with Adam and Eve in the garden before they fell. Once they fell, what it did was it broke that open communion uh, and, and man lost his perspective. He lost that union and he lost his authority also. And that's what happened at the fall. But with Jesus' redemption work that was mentioned this morning, uh, all about Jesus during communion, God's redemptive work brings us back clarity, brings us back in communion with him, and it brings back the authority through salvation, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is God's process, and this is his working. Look at John chapter 14, uh, verse 16 and 18. Let's look at this together and um, I want you to see the verses that are highlighted there, okay? And I want you to capture this. I will pray, this is Jesus, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you what? Say it with me. What, what is it? That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he what? He. Okay, let's see. Is it not clear? Okay, let's read it. He what? He. Okay, see, I want you to read that because if, if this seed gets planted in you this morning, you're going to walk away from here this morning and God's going to have something to really talk with you about. And my hope is that I open up a fresh conversation between you and God about this whole thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it's that important. And I, I believe, again, as we go through a few of these scriptures, that's what's going to happen. Uh, he dwells in you, and he will be in you. Or he dwells with you and will be in you. Bill Johnson says it this way, the Holy Spirit is in me for me, but he comes upon me for others. I just thought that was just a well-put thing. It's just, he's in me for me, but he comes upon me for others. And, 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 and we'll just look at that as we move ahead here. Uh, so let's just start by taking a quick peruse through the Old Testament. Uh, does the Holy Spirit come up in the Old Testament? That's a, a good thing to ask yourself because, again, the Old and the New are both valid parts of the whole of Scripture. So 1 Corinthians 10, 11, said it to you before, but let me just say it again. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So what I'm about to read to you happened to them for you. And it's written down for you so that you can learn these things. And what I'd like to do is just to, to show you how that the Holy Spirit was very involved, not only in creation, but throughout, uh, throughout the Old Testament, we see him, we see him empowering the prophets, we see him empowering craftsmen to build the, the tabernacle and Nehemiah's walls, we see him involved in that. <clears throat> we see him empowering the judges, and we went through some of the book of Judges for a while there, but we saw the Spirit of God coming upon them for their work. We saw uh, throughout Scripture, you can see him empowering Moses and Joshua and David and Saul, and, and then just repeatedly this phrase, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. 
and they did mighty works, and they did what they were supposed to do. We're talking Old Testament here. And so here's the phrase I want you to watch for as you read the Old Testament is this phrase here, the Spirit came upon them. The Spirit came upon them. Judges 3, 9 and 10. Othaniel, Caleb's younger brother, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And I won't go into what for, but you can read that and you can find that. Judges 11 and verse 29, here we see it again. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he advanced ahead, and, and that's how he ended up winning the battle. Just, why? Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And we see in the Old Testament uh, a few different things. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. So we see this repeated phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And in the Old Testament, you can put it this way. The Old Testament, and it's on your notes here, it was selective. It wasn't on everybody. It was selective. It was temporary. It came upon them for the particular need, whatever that was. It was temporary. And then the third thing in the Old Testament is that it was always task-oriented. It was to accomplish something bigger than what they could accomplish. They, Moses, what did he have to do? He had to part the Red Sea. Well, he couldn't do that, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and gave him direction. And he just laid the rod out, and boom, it happened, you know. And, and we just see this same phrase over and over. And so we talked a little bit about numbers before. And, and I, I pulled out just a couple uh, thoughts on the number three, on the number three. Um, in Genesis chapter one, and this is a real key too, because it would be considered in hermeneutics or translating the Bible, it would be considered uh, uh, the, uh, the first mentioned principle. In other words, the first time you read about something in scripture, you can probably follow that all the way through scripture and understand how to operate in it. So look at, how the, look at how God operates in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter 1. Let's just read it. In the beginning, God, so we have the Father, God, uh, created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, there's the Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, there's the Word. The Word had to come forth. And we would all say that, that you got to speak it. You got to speak His Word out. And that Word becomes creative as you do. And, and, and so we see this in the very beginning. God said, let there be light. And there was light. How about if we get back to that, huh? God, we feel the Holy Spirit moving. God, we feel your spirit moving, and we're going to speak the word, and the spirit's going to carry it out, and he's going to see things happen in ways that we've never understood before. We mentioned, I think, just a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> about just the picture of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The father, Abraham the father, Isaac the son, Jacob the Holy Spirit, or representation of the Holy Spirit. We see threes in the sun and the moon and the stars, and we understand their differences. We see different in the, in the high priest, in the high priest in the Old Testament, and uh, it, it, we see in the tabernacle, we see the altar first, which is where they killed the sacrifice, which was the sun. We see the, uh, the labor, secondly, where we see this washing take place. Okay, we see, so we see the son for salvation, or the sacrifice for salvation at the altar. We see the 
brazen laver as the water baptism, because that's where the priests washed up. And then before he went into the temple, they anointed him with oil. And I think there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit in action for us. Now listen to just a couple verses uh, out, of, uh, out of the Old Testament concerning this, and look at, the, look at the verbiage that's used here. Isaiah 44 and verse 3. Isaiah 44 and verse 3. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So here's that word spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. Uh, Joel, which we're all probably familiar with, 2.28, as is prophesied in the New Testament. Uh, Peter uses it there uh, on the day of Pentecost. But listen to Joel in the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit where? On all flesh. So it's no longer temporary. It's no longer selective. It's for everybody. It's for all people. See, in the Old Testament, they really understood the spirit and the anointing. They saw it happen. But they understood it to be temporary on selective individuals for just a certain task. They didn't see it for everybody, and that's what the part of the argument has been is no, 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 that's, that's not what it's supposed to be for everybody. Joel clearly says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And so we see in the Old Testament, we've seen all these verses that talk about the spirit of the Lord coming upon them. And, 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 and that in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He's going to pour it out on all of us. See, that should strike some hunger in me. It should strike something in me to say, Lord, I want to understand this. If I, if I don't have the revelation of this, if you haven't revealed it to me, I want to understand it. I want to know more. I don't want to sit in church and just be halfway there. I don't want to be in church and hear all this language and let it just keep going past me Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And never let it penetrate inside of me and bring a revelation to me concerning the most important things of God. So let's jump now to the New Testament and let's see what the New Testament has to say about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of verses. I think I put them on your notes. I'm not sure. I'm not going to go through those. Uh, but listen to this one verse because this is a foundational verse. It's Hebrews chapter 6. It's a foundational verse for all of Christianity, for all your life. Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection and maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. There's salvation right there. And then... Uh, and of the doctrine of baptisms. Now, I just want you to notice this one word there. Baptisms is plural. It's plural. So there's more than one baptism. So we have, uh, obviously, I think we would all be very familiar with water baptism, correct? Right. Right. We're, all, we're all familiar with that. We're, we're all, we've at least heard in this place, <laughs> baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
two different uh, two different baptisms, and actually there's uh, there's actually other baptisms in the in the scriptures, uh, baptism of fire, baptism into the body of Christ, and so forth. But we want to focus on these two here, uh, just to identify the two of water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at God's process for the abundant life. Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Uh, and, and, and again, listen carefully to what's being said here uh, out of these verses. And then Peter said to them, so this is at the very beginning, Christ was crucified, he was resurrected, he's poured out his spirit, and now Peter is just explaining it to all of the, the, the people that were in earshot. Now listen to what he says. And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So you repent, give your heart to Christ, then be baptized in John's baptism. That's what the baptism that he's talking about here. But then he goes on to say this, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as call on the name of the Lord. It is important for you to know this verse and to really understand it and to break into it a little bit more maybe than you have in the past. Uh, it could, because of the importance of it. It's, uh, I think, the first message of the gospel that really came out after the death, burial, and resurrection. So all of a sudden we know these are the components. He says, this is what I want you to do, and this is how we do it, and this is how we approach it. Um, and if you remember, they weren't too happy about him preaching that message, uh, some of the religious people. Number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body. You become born again. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. <clears throat> and as I was studying this, I thought, you know, what does that really mean? You know, we're baptized into one body. Uh, can I just tell you this? So often, uh, it's easy. I've seen, met people, you probably have too. They get saved, and all of a sudden, they think they know it all, and they are, are it all. <laughs> But you're actually, when you become born again, <clears throat> you're put into the family of God. You become a part of the body of Christ, it's called. You're, you, you cannot survive on your own. If I cut my finger off, I'm going to keep going. The finger's going to die. And it's very important for us to understand that because our perspective needs to change on this thing because we are members one of another. And you just read it throughout Scripture. So the body of Christ is very important. Number two, uh, we see... That's being born again. And the next thing we see is the disciples were told now, which is interesting, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body, but then God calls us to water baptize people. So he puts it back into the hand of believers. And Matthew 28, 19, we all know this. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he commissions us to do that. But then it turns around then, and we see Jesus now is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And we, we read about that in Matthew 3, 11. I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, salvation. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry, and he will baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. 
What an awesome thing. What a, what a powerful thing. So then Jesus comes back, and he is the one that baptizes us in the, in, into fire. And as I was thinking about this, you know, some maybe you don't realize we, we have ways to decide what is a doctrine and what isn't a doctrine. And what's just a teaching in the scriptures, and we see it, and we understand it, and we acknowledge it, but we don't make a doctrine out of it. A doctrine is, is a teaching that would solidify what it's all about. In other words, uh, salvation, there's a whole doctrine of salvation. How do you become born again? It's only through Jesus Christ. Amen? It's only through Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's the only way one can come in. There's only one door. Okay? And so we have a doctrine about that. We have a doctrine about water baptism. And we have a doctrine about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have a doctrine about communion. Uh, we don't have a doctrine about foot washing. Has anybody been to a foot washing service? I have. You know, it, it, it's something. Remember, Jesus did it to his disciples. Remember at the Last Supper, he said, I'm going to wash, you washed all their feet. And so there's nothing wrong with having a foot washing service, but don't make a doctrine out of it. It doesn't become a part of what your church stands on, but if you want to have one someday, it's fine. It, it, it a lot of, I don't want to go into what the meaning is, of, but you probably know. But anyway, here's how you really know that something's a doctrine. Let me just give you these three points. Number one, you'll find it mentioned in the Gospels. It'll be mentioned in the Gospels. How many of you think the Gospels mention salvation? Would everybody agree with that? Would everybody agree that, uh, that the Gospels mention water baptism? It does, doesn't it? What about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It does, doesn't it? What about communion? Do we see communion in the Gospels? Absolutely, right? You do. Okay, so it's mentioned there. And then the next test would be, is it acted out in the book of Acts? Action, Acts. Is it acted out there? Well, you can see people getting saved in the book of Acts, right? You see people getting water baptized in the book of Acts, right? Come on, amen's going to speed me up here. I don't know how to receive that. I don't know about you on camera there. I'm sure you didn't say that. But you know what I mean, and then, so you can see it there. What about baptism of the Holy Spirit? You can see that. What about your know, communion? You can see that in the book of Acts. They're acting it out. And then the third proof for it would be, is it explained in the epistles or the rest of the written scriptures, uh, Ephesians and so forth? Well, you can see salvation. It's explained completely thoroughly in Romans and in other books. You can see water baptism completely explained in Romans and in other epistles. You can see uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit explained in the, uh, the epistles. And, and, and so if we can take our doctrines and say, okay, it's mentioned here, it's, it's uh, acted out in the book of Acts, and it's explained in the epistles, the rest of the scriptures in the New Testament, then now we can settle in and say, yeah, and that's why we have a doctrine of salvation. That's why we have a doctrine of water baptism. That's why we have a doctrine of baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have a doctrine concerning communion. And so forth. So I just wanted to throw that out just for, maybe you don't, didn't know that, but I'm saying that because if I, if, I, if I believe that it's a salvation doctrine, then I'll know that that's important, and I'll make sure that I do something with it for myself as well as for others, right? That's, this is important. Same with water baptism. If you've not been water baptized here today, it's a doctrine. It's God's way for you to grow and mature, as Hebrews said, to come, become into perfection and to maturity. 
And without that, you're going to stunt your growth. Can you still be a Christian? Yes. Can you still go to heaven? Yes. But will your growth be stunted? I want to just say yes. Because of the work of the process of water baptism in your life. It says it literally cuts off the old one and it actually washes away those sins. Come on, this is a good thing. He forgives you at the cross, but man, he washes you at water baptism. He does this cleansing inside of you that changes your life. And the same thing with baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that when we read this, that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to say, well, I don't quite get it because it's just a little bit odd. And it's been very controversial. And the church I came from said that it's, it, you have a demon if you do that. I mean, it's gone to that extreme. <laughs> and so it has brought confusion to the body of Christ. And, and that's what I want to straighten out because we're a spirit-filled, word-formed church. Our pastor in Portland used to say it this way. He said, he said the, uh, uh, the, the banks of the river is your doctrine. The flow of the water is the spirit. If you have strong banks of a river, that water can really flow. And what does it do? It generates power. That's where we have all our dams in rivers. It generates power. But without the banks, what do you have when the Spirit pours out? You have a flood and disaster. And we've seen that with people in the Pentecostal movement that haven't had a strong, uh, uh, solid, basic understanding of the Scriptures. When the Spirit flows out, it's just like totally out of control. How many have seen it? Kind of been nuts. You know, I've seen it. That's where I got saved is one of those crazy Pentecostal churches. They love God, but it was just a little on the wild side. And, uh, and it made some things a challenge for me. But anyway, so I, I want us to see this. There's a pattern of salvation, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit throughout the Scriptures. Acts chapter 1, the last words of Jesus would be very, very important. The last words of anybody is usually more important. So listen to this here. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? Say it with me. Promise of the Father. And if we, if we know what that means, we realize even Joel said, hey, it's a promise for you. What? The outpouring of the Spirit. Wait for that promise, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized in water, water baptism, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we see a complete distinction between the two uh, for, for the believers. And, and it's Jesus saying, you know, I want you to even wait in the upper room. Just wait there till it comes. Why? Because when, he, when they went out, he wanted them to proclaim the whole gospel message. You know, that's where the whole term full gospel comes from, full gospel churches. I think uh, this church was called a full gospel church. And we still are, but we just word it just a little bit differently, spirit-filled, word-formed church. But it's basically the full gospel church. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. But when they believed... Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. Simon was a sorcerer at this point before he got saved here. But he saw something. He had magic powers and so forth. And, and he saw something in this power of the Holy Spirit that he'd never experienced before. 
Uh, and, and, and he must have realized at this point that his powers as <clears throat> were from demonic sources, but this was from God. And he goes on to say this, And then Simon himself also believed, gets saved, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. And now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive what? Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, I thought they were already saved. He sent them to those that already believed. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. For as yet they had not fallen upon none of them. They had, not only, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, John's baptism, and then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. And there's just one more example of this because I think it's And and I'm going to wrap it up, but I I think it's just so important that we capture this. A little bit further in the book of Acts, it had happened a number of times, okay? And throughout the book of Acts, actually, if you read through the book of Acts, which is really uh, most of the scriptures about being filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll find there in the book of Acts. uh, um, And uh, it says this here, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. That's water baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit, what? came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. And as you read, and I trust you may begin to read through the book of Acts, you'll see that every time that this term about being baptized in the Holy Spirit comes up, it always says, and they spoke in tongues, and they spoke in tongues, and they spoke in tongues. It's mentioned, and it was acted out, and it's explained in the epistles, and, uh, and, and so it's important for us to see that. Um, one more verse uh, that I want to read here for us, um, uh, again, in regards to being baptized into the Holy Spirit, uh, and I would say also with the, the evidence or the gift of a prayer language. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, we read this a minute ago, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then drop down to verse 8 from in that same chapter. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and into Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. So in other words, he's making a real difference between... Jesus after the cross, being resurrected, going to heaven, and pouring down his spirit on the earth, on not just a few, but on everybody. And again, if we, we follow the pattern, we realize that this is, this is not just an optional thing. He actually says it's for you to receive a power 
In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's also, uh, it's also for you to even be a witness, okay? I, I think you really need to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people would stop me and say, and argue with me all day about that. And I just think it's a waste of time. Go argue with somebody else. The Bible says, I'm going to give you power and I'm going to make a witness out of you. What is a witness? A witness isn't somebody that says, you know, a friend of mine told me that he shot him. I don't, you don't go to court like that, do you? You never would, it never would work. No, you have had to see it yourself and experience it yourself to be what? A witness. And this is what he's saying here. I, wanna, I want you to witness me. I want you to witness the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to people around you so they literally begin to see it. I don't have to even share sometimes. It, you know, it just People just see it. They begin to get hungry. Why? Because they feel the power of God in a setting. They feel the power of God in a person. They recognize there's something that's really different about me. I, I, it's just different about me. I'm still human, but there's something different there. And really, that's what they said about Jesus all the time. Man, there's something different about you. When you spoke, there was an authority there. There was something we don't see in other people, even the other religious people. We didn't see this. And he walked around and made this amazing impact because he was filled with the Spirit. Remember, he was water baptized. And when he came up out of the water, remember, what happened? It says, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And we usually throw in there about the dove thing, and we kind of get sidetracked with the dove. But he just said it was like a dove. So in other words, he, that something came down. The Spirit came upon him was the emphasis there. He was water baptized, and he was filled with the Spirit. And that's really when he began his ministry. That's really when he became the witness. Remember they said at one point, isn't this the carpenter's son? <laughs> what happened to him? He was filled with the Spirit. And God's looking for a people that will become vessels for him and allow his Holy Spirit to totally begin to work in them and then through them. And a lot of times our testimony can be so dry because we don't have the Spirit of God to, to, to be that witness. And it's my desire that every one of us, you know, just take some of these scriptures that are on your note this week and read through them if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'll just say that the, the, the main evidence is not only the gifts of the Spirit, but it's also that you would receive a prayer language along with it. And next week, we're going to get into the prayer language in a very complete way to show you what it's like. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you these last four points. How will you, or five points, how will you allow or involve the Holy Spirit into your daily life, working out His divine destiny throughout your unexpected adventures. How are you gonna allow him to really be involved with you? And I've done stuff just because I'm a believer. <laughs> you know, I've just done nice stuff because I'm a believer sometimes. But you know, I think God said, no, I wanna go deeper with you. I wanna really lead you. I wanna take you to a place that you won't imagine is that it could be there unless you step into this new relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And again, this has nothing to do. Forget about whether, if you're saved, you're going to heaven, okay? So don't go home shaking in your boots. But what I want to say is God's raising an army, and that army's going to have to be fully equipped. And part of that equipping is that he empowers you with the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is, this is, this is, this is really a necessity. There's so many people deceived right now that would call themselves Christian, and I'm not judging whether they are or not. Maybe they are, they gave their life to Christ, and they're going to go to heaven, great. But the reality is there's an awful lot of deception that's starting to cover the churches. How many would be able to agree with that? Is that just me, or am I just seeing things, or is it really happening? We're just seeing all types of stuff, just, oh, that's okay because, you know, and, and, and even a, 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 one pastor said, well, you're supposed to interpret the Bible based on the culture. How scary do you think that will actually get if we follow that one? You know what I'm saying? It's just wrong interpretation. But I think more than anything, I want us to be that spirit-filled, word-formed church that God needs in this day and in this hour. So here's what my challenge is for you. Number one, you need to learn how to talk to him like a real person. You know, it can't be, you know, oh, heavenly father or just something strange like that. I guess you could say that, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you need to read the Bible. Listen to this. This is, <laughs> this is Jesus, and this is, he's, it's, 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 it's nearing his end, okay? He's going he's gonna to pray. He's going to ask. He's going to challenge us up like this here. Listen to this. I still have many things to say to you. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, so you can't bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, who's the spirit of truth? Who is it? Don't be afraid to say his name. Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay, so he's specifically making this separation here. But he's saying, man, there's so many things I need to tell you. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine. In other words, everything that Jesus had from the Father is his. But now he's saying, I'm giving it to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to now distribute that to you. Is to give that to you. I want to give you everything that I had. Everything that Jesus had on this earth, he's saying, I'm going to give to you through the Holy Spirit. Now, you need to catch this because, man, if I'm listening to this, I'm saying, God, I need to know more. I need to experience more. God, I need greater deliverance in my own life. God, I need to go. I need all these things. I need these things. Because guess what? Jesus, when he walked on the earth under this power of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus walked on the earth, he needed to have this. Because how many know he was abused? He was mocked? He was scorned. 
He was spit on. He was crucified. And yet he's still at the cross, hanging on the cross. He said, God, forgive them because they don't know what they did. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And this is what he's saying. I had all this, so everything I went through, now you can go through. And, and, and I'm going to give you the power and the authority to be free from the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that this life can bring to you. I'm going to give you the freedom from that. How many know we need this? But you got to start talking to them like a real person. Number two, you got to read the Bible as a living word. It's not dead. I shouldn't be forced to have to go talk to God or let God talk to me. I shouldn't be too tired to let God talk to me. I should not have this thing where it's just so hard. If I do, I just want to say, you just need maybe more of the power of the Holy Spirit to stir your heart up about how important this word is. And people gave their life for it so we could have it. Three, learn what is important to the Holy Spirit. What does he really value? Do you know what the Holy Spirit values? Because I think he wants to communicate his values to you and I. Number four, learn obedience in the small areas. Learn obedience in the small areas. Can I just ask you to answer this for yourself? When was the last time you uh, actually heard the Holy Spirit, felt the Holy Spirit, acknowledged the Holy Spirit, however you want to put it, you knew that the Holy Spirit was either correcting you or giving you direction. When was the last time that that happened? That's a, it's a good question that I have to ask myself on a regular basis. God, I haven't heard from you lately. And, 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 and he's not going to look at you and say, oh, I know I've been busy. <laughs> I didn't have time for you today. You know, he's not going to say that. He's always going to be there. Right? I'll never leave you. The, 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 the absence he comes on our part. And then the fourth thing is we need to learn how to speak his language. We need to learn how to speak his language. And this is what I'm going to talk about next week. Does God have a language? And, and, and do I speak that language? And I think it's important for us to know that. And again, I'm going to go into it in just a great detail uh, uh, next week. Because I, I, I believe there's, if there's one thing that, again, has brought confusion and contention in the body of Christ is this issue of do I have a prayer language? I want to show you in Scripture where you absolutely could have a prayer language. And it will be a part of your change. It will be a part of your maturing. It will be a part of you growing closer to God. How many are ready for that? I'm ready for that. I, I really am. And again, I think every one of us needs to be ready for that. So would you just maybe uh, both here and online, just, just bow your heads for a second. Just bow your heads for a second. We read a lot of scriptures, I know, but I felt like it really needed to be done. But we have to, we have to, we have to do things differently, church. If we're a believer, we've got to do things differently, but we can only really do it with his power. I just believe there's a sweeping move of the Spirit that's going to begin to take place that's going to bring to pass 
uh, all of what we see in Scripture, all of what we see in the book of Acts happening, that was the first fruits of it. It was never supposed to be the last fruits. It was supposed to be the first fruits. Signs, wonders, miracles, power of God moving. Why? Because he wants himself witnessed, and you can't do that naturally. It has to be supernatural. So let me pray for us. Pray for all those online. Thank you for watching. We so appreciate that and taking time to do that. And, uh, and so, Father, I pray this morning that, God, just the, the seeds of your word would just be just pressed in a little further into each one of our spirits. And, Father, if we've not really experienced uh, a, a total immersion or baptism into the Holy Spirit, I pray that, Lord, this, this week you'd begin to speak to each one of us and you'd open our understanding and, you'd, uh, Lord, you'd fill us. You would fill us, Lord, with your spirit. And that each and every person in this room, Father, would experience, Lord, that power, that power, that power that you promised even from the Old Testament. That power, Lord, that you used when you created the world. You, you said the Spirit of God hovered over it, and then you spoke the word. Let that power come upon your people again, God, like ever before. Let your power be distributed, Father, upon us. We're here to say yes and amen to it. Father, we're here to say yes to it, yes to it, yes to it. Would you just ask right now, just ask the Father, I just want you to use the term, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Would you just do that right now? I want that to be your prayer. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And if something happens when I verbalize what I really want to verbalize, God hears it and he begins to respond to us. And Lord, so this week I pray for every person, Lord, that, that verbalized that, that this week you would allow the Holy Spirit to just to stir and move upon each and every one, God. As you said that they were all baptized. <laughs> you want us all baptized. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your awesomeness, God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Again, I know I, I used a lot of scriptures this week, but I, I just felt we needed to. I think we need to really hear this. And I would just challenge you this week just to really ask God, fill me with your spirit. What does that mean? You know, I know for me that's what it was. I remember, uh, you know, hearing people praying in their prayer language and talking about the Holy Spirit and stuff. And um, for me, it was kind of a, uh, I felt when I prayed in English that it wasn't quite finished every time I prayed. It was just, you know, God works with everybody a little differently. But I can remember thinking, God, I just feel like it's incomplete. What's missing about my prayer life? And it just put a hunger in me about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, it was the thing. It was right. It was what broke open the rivers of water inside of me. And I'll share a little bit more, more about that next week. But let's, uh, let's go this week and let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're mostly all here for the Chiefs, right? We're in route for the Chiefs. Are we looking for another victory? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Trip up, Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I guess that was a prayer, right? If anything, okay. All right, stand up if you would. 
God bless you all online, and uh, have a have a great uh, week. And again, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God bless you.